From Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Welcome back to The Conspiracy Show, usually with Richard Serrett, but tonight it's the mighty Aphrodite. We just had a very interesting discussion with uh, Fotin Ni from Melbourne, Australia, uh, about the evil eye. Uh, and it was, um, you know, quite eye-opening. So um, I figured, you know what, let's, let's keep going along this vein. And I thought we'd reach out to a dream analyst. And uh, he, he's someone who uh, has done much, much, much work in this, in this area. He's uh, an author and a researcher. His name is Craig Webb. And he's written a new book, Dreams Behind the Music. And, you know, he's a McGill University graduate. He was pioneering in lucid dreaming, which I find very interesting. Lucid dreaming is something that I thought I could try and do, but I don't know. I don't think I've done a very good job at it. Nevertheless, uh, I've researched at Stanford University. He, he has also designed personal development devices distributed worldwide. His new book, The Dreams Behind the Music, reveals little-known dreams that inspired dozens of Grammy Award wins and other tremendous successes for over 100 famous artists and highlights universal principles and techniques that anyone can learn to harvest their own dreams from uh, for surprising life breakthroughs. And I thought this would be kind of fun because we just had our Juno Awards in Ottawa. And, uh, of course, that's our version of the Grammys. And I was actually a Juno judge, believe it or not. And uh, <laughs> it was uh, quite an experience. So this this could be a lot of fun with Craig uh, this evening. Craig, are you with us on the line? Hi, Aphrodite. Hi. Hi. Thanks for joining. Yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward here. Okay, great. Now, um, I know that the book, uh, Dreams Behind the Music, I've, I, a wonderful, um, interesting read. Uh, and I was just saying that we do okay. have, um, I had our Junos just this evening and, uh, some, some of our famous Canadian artists. I don't know if you were watching or not. Um, but, uh. Oh, um, no, I'm traveling, but. You're uh, traveling, okay. Definitely some Canadian artist dreamers. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure there are. Uh, and I also, I don't know if you've known this or not, you guys, uh, Albert and Will too, um, our Prime Minister Justin Trudeau spoke on stage with the, uh, on the Grammy Awards. It seems that like he gets around, you know. It's like he's like the cruise director for the Love Boat or something. But he was there, you know. It's like I don't know. He does parades. He marches in parades. He shows up on stage at you know the Junos. It's a very interesting character. Anyway, Greg. Um, uh, so yeah, this is dreams are you know everybody has dreams, right? I mean everybody dreams, uh, yep. and we always have questions about our dreams and what do they mean? How do they guide us? Do they guide us? Is it something that we should consider to guide us? Um, or is it just our brain yeah. working overtime? Like I have this monkey mind, and I'm telling you, I have the wildest and craziest dreams. Uh, you could probably uh-huh. write three books on the kind of dreams that I have. <laughs> but um, uh-huh. but your Sounds book is, is quite specific. I mean, you've really zeroed in on a, a really niche type of group. Um, so, Well, I wanted to focus it with a certain sort of, I guess, audience type, in this case more artists, creatives. And but I show the principles that are universal anybody can use, from like a householder to like business person, inventor, 
you know, even like Google, the search engine that we hop onto pretty often, sure. uh, inspired the whole company directly from a dream. So talk about like a you know, many hundred billion dollar really? company with obviously lots of work later, but the seed, really? the core idea from a dream. So it applies to all realms, but I focused on the artists because, you know, there's like 20 to 50 Grammy wins, uh, definitely huge career successes directly traceable to the dream inspiration. So nobody's talking about or knows about them. <laughs> Yeah, really. Uh, so let's just take one step back. Um, so how did how did you become involved in the dream and dream work? How did that? Oh well, that's an interesting story. There, I sometimes say a little jokingly, I kind of got kidnapped. Oh. Because uh, at the time uh, I was a good physicist. I actually have a degree in physics. So, no kidding. You know, kind of objective scientist, very worldly focused, physical mm-hmm. world kind of grounded person. And then uh, after a powerful near drowning, where I. But I had this realization of, wow, I'm, I'm actually stuck under arrest. And then this rich peace, which was kind of surprising, like, oh, it's enjoyable to die? What? Uh, then I started remembering up to about 10 dreams a day. And you know how they disappear by maybe breakfast or uh, Almost like instantly. a shower in yeah. the morning? Cause mm-hmm. Delicate memories, right? Yeah. And uh, my dreams at that time would last into the morning, afternoon, even like some dreams would last into following days. Like some big channel had opened. So I believe uh, something happened there, kind of under the raft. But even the raft, sort of near drowning, was just a symbol of a deeper level that wanted to rebalance my objective science mind and add in intuition, feelings, and a lot of other level connections that I then started exploring. So I kind of look at it. No kidding. Wow. <laughs> so from a physicist to uh, to lucid dreaming. Professional. Yeah, well, let's say a metaphysicist, including metaphysicist. a little bit of heart. You know, I'm doing that long journey from head to heart, and I'm still on my way. Wow. Okay. So um, tell me then about, actually, I want to hear a little bit more about um, your jumping off point again as to how, how then you moved and how you felt that that portal opened up for you. Can you just dig a little deeper yeah. in that one? Because that, that well, fascinates good. me. My story is important because I think uh, a lot of people in our culture, with, you know, we're very strongly trained in the mind science, but not even just science, sort of how to intellectually analyze, fix things, which is great, not to knock it, but it is really just one approach. It doesn't work so well for relationships, <laughs> doesn't work for intuitive things as well as, as half of an intuitive solving mechanism, maybe. But intuition, you have to have a different kind of tuning. So I started having these premonitions that were very clear about very rare events that I saw come true. So I was like, wait a minute, they didn't tell me about that in physics class. Like you can tune in across time. Well, I knew it was, there's an idea of a dimension of time, but I didn't know personally you can actually tune it. Later, research showed that two out of three people are having these kind of experiences and that they, you know, they just don't talk about it mostly. Have you ever done something that, or maybe an intuition or a hit or a premonition that you feel came true in your life? Myself, a premonition? Uh, uh, no, not that I'm, not that I'm aware of. No, I mean, I've had deja vu, but I don't think that counts for anything. Um, but no. No, oh, well, if you kind of translate to French, it means already seen. So a lot of people link déjà vu with dreams. Some don't, but but might be. Might be. <laughs> so you had. Um, <laughs> so you said tune into a dimension of time. That's that's pretty deep. <laughs> uh, well, we don't really see time as kind of a dimension. You know, we have length, height, width, right. depth. Uh, but uh, just think of something else that you could walk along linearly. We usually go in one direction. And uh, we sort of go from past to present to future. But if you have some perspective outside, let's say, a distant timeline, then you can see the whole road, right? 
So if you can somehow get distance out of the timeline of time, you could see past, present, future pretty easily. And that's sort of the, the model. But then when all of a sudden you start turning into future moments and you know how it's going to play out or the, the probability of something likely to happen, that can get pretty freaky if you're trained in objective physics like me. And then I started having lucid dreams. You know about those? Have you heard of that type I of have. I've heard, I've heard about lucid dreaming. Sure, I have. And I thought that I would. I thought that. Um, yeah. I mean, I do. I do a lot of yoga, and I and um, you know, I sometimes okay. I find myself that I, I very well might be lucid dreaming. Like I, I, the definition of it to me, kind of shifts every time I try to experience it. Can you explain it? That's good. I like that you have a shifting definition because I don't like to lock it in too tight. But okay, it's good. Exactly this. Uh, one kind of simple, but it's a bit general way I say it is the, the waking part of ourself, and that's a pretty loaded statement right there. But let's just say something like uh, our memory and or our logic and or our will and or maybe our presence, our identity, mindfulness, usually join us in real time during the dream. In other words, not just remember after we wake up, but mm-hmm. during the dream, we go, hey, wait a minute, mm-hmm. this isn't a dream desk or... <laughs> a dream radio microphone or whatever we have, and we go, this is actually a real, you know, experience in some other level of consciousness, and then Craig here is going to wake up in bed in a few minutes. And so we kind of have this very real, believable experience that we then realize was, you know, if it's virtual, it's real on its own level, but mm-hmm. later in physical level, it seems like it's definitely not the, the normal physical sense. So I'd say our waking mind joins us to some degree in a dream when we're lucid dreaming. And some people say the official cutoff is when you can say that you realize you're dreaming while you're dreaming. But there's a lot of variations to that. I kind of like the big analogy that, you know, life here, waking consciousness, who I'm kind of speaking as and who people might be listening as, their waking mind, it's really just one station on a pretty large dial. (laughs) Most often we don't talk about the other stations. And even if we talk about them, we may not really go there. I don't think lucid or, you know, waking mixed with dream consciousness is, only the only station, but it's a pretty interesting one, and we call it lucid dreaming. Yeah. So, uh, and you can do this, like you yourself, you can be in a dream and be aware that you're in the dream. You can do that. Yeah, and it, I, I'm very blessed in that way. I, I trained for quite a while. I actually was involved in the Stanford University research many years ago that proved it scientifically and brought it to the West. So, I've been uh, pretty interested and connected for a long time, and helped it reach, uh, I think, mainly Canada. Brought mm-hmm. it to all the CBC and a whole bunch of places to, to help get more people in touch with what I thought could be super useful because most of the benefits or the positive applications of dreams, they get amplified by more consciousness, more lucidity. So I figured, hey, we've got to bring this tool and give it away pretty much, you know, teach people how and help them get there, including myself. So it's... <laughs> So much, so many questions to ask you. It's incredible. Um, but let's just, uh, let's go, let's, it, it is, it's, it's really, it, there's so much there. It's not, you're just scratching the surface here. Um, and I think that, you yeah. know, once we open up the calls too at the bottom of the hour, I think people are going to have some questions. I already know that this young boy in, in Denver, Colorado, um, who has just beat cancer, God bless him, Callum, uh, you know, uh, he over, over Twitter, he's like, I have a question. I have a question for the dream analyst. So we'll, we'll do that at the bottom okay. of the hour. Uh, so people will have that for you as well. But let's just get really uh, back into your book just really quickly before we go into the next break. Uh, The book is The Dreams Behind the Music. Uh, So tell us regarding that new book, can you give me some of those details of some of the hit song inspirations or career guidance that came uh, to the artist's dreams? Because that's kind of cool. I'll just mention that 
it's not exactly like some of these new ebooks and PDFs and things are kind of whipped off quickly. This was a three to four thousand hour serious research project with 750 footnotes. So uh, it's not really to toot my horn, but just to say I really devoted to make it trustable. Every story has its uh, reference, like who said it where, and I'm fairly provable that maybe one or two, which you're just trusting the artist or whatever. But mostly that's super provable or at least uh, trackable things that are um, quite out of the ordinary here and there. One example, maybe before break, is uh, uh, John Lennon, who actually twice pre-dreamt his murder fairly accurately. If you put the two dreams together, and actually there were three, but two of them tell the scenario very accurately. Chubby stranger wearing glasses, holding a revolver, and the other dream outside the Dakota where he lived and got shot. So He was nervous about it and upset he didn't remember better. And one example of like 250 of some amazing things that in this case was unfortunate outcome, but in many other cases was very fortunate outcome. What? I'm still like, I'm just, I'm listening. And I'm like, what did you just tell me? <laughs> really? I had no idea. Yeah, but really? John Lennon zoomed in about a year ahead to the pretty much the exact scenario wow. of that event that came to pass. But I will mention that the other, the third dream is extremely positive and he saw himself walking outside the mirror of life and death freely. So Craziness. Some rhyme or reason what about Bob Dylan? Did he have any of his dreams? Because, I mean, you know, he just got, oh, yeah. finally Bob accepted the, the finally break, accepted break. the, um, break, yeah, well, got after break, of course, but he finally accepted the um, Nobel Peace Prize for his poetry. Anyways, okay, here we are, coming up to a break. Uh, we are speaking with a dream analyst, my goodness, and he has some amazing stories. He's left me speechless. We're speaking with Craig Webb and his book, Dreams Behind the Music. We'll be right back. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett, and I am the Mighty Aphrodite. You want the truth? You can handle the truth. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Welcome back. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Filling in for Richard Serrett, the mighty Aphrodite. And on the line right now, we have Craig Webb. He is a dream analyst, author, and researcher. His new book, Dreams Behind the Music. And we were just being told some fascinating stories about some very famous musicians and how they were inspired through their dreams. So, Craig, take it away. I mean, you left me with, uh, like, I was literally, what did he just tell me? <laughs> yes, it was. Okay, yeah, let's get a job as a radio host here. Oh, wow. Before break, right? That's absolutely. <laughs> okay, so well, where were we? Go ahead. Respects kind of the story, though. But uh, you asked about uh, Bob Dylan. And, yeah. Uh, he mentioned that he sort of uh, uses the shamanic art, but I couldn't find any direct uh, I guess, examples mm-hmm. of dreams, but it sounds like he uses a shamanic dreaming art, like that thing calls it. But uh, there's a very strong, interesting connection with him from what seems one of the master dreamers, what I call the rock and roll shamans. Whoa. And that is uh, Bono, our U2, our friend who leads the U2, the lead singer there. Yeah. Uh, and he has two interesting stories. I'll start with uh, what I find the most fascinating, and we'll end with uh, the Dylan part. Okay. But he's a big dreamer. He often tunes in to the other levels and brings back some real winners. And one time he was, uh, you know, a little stressed before a performance the next day at Wembley Arena, and he said he had the Blue Velvet soundtrack for the movie playing, you know, the David Lynch film. Mm-hmm. And uh, he didn't really look at it, but he had just had it playing as he was kind of half awake, dozing, falling asleep a bit. And he started picking up this new kind of lyrics and sound, and it was like, huh, mystery girl, she's a mystery to me with a melody. And 
kind of wake up, oh, that sounds very Roy Orbison. So I guess at some point in the night, he got up and looked at the album and said, is there a Roy Orbison song, Mystery Girl, on here? And he, he saw that there was a Roy Orbison song called In Dreams, which is actually a dream inspired by Roy Orbison, who in his dream thought Elvis wrote it, but waking up realized it was his. But uh, So maybe it had this alchemical power of that song. But either way, there was no Mystery Girl, even though there was an Orbison song. So he goes, well, it sounds kind of Orbisonic, <laughs> to kind of use a phrase. And the next day, he was kind of excited about it. Maybe maybe I just dreamt it, and I just started writing it. Maybe it's not Orbison, but it's mine. So he started working on the lyrics a bit, even before in the, the concert, in the, what do they call it, the rehearsal soundcheck. He was working Mystery Girl. Hey, guys, does this sound like Roy Orbison? And the rest of the band said, yeah, really. But we'd never heard it before, so he's like, okay, maybe I'll work on it. And they did the show, and at the end of the show, he was still pretty excited. So in the dressing room, he was actually right back working on the song and the lyrics and the melody. And all of a sudden, there's a knock at the door of the dressing room with the security guard, John, who says, uh, uh, Mr. Bono here, there's a man to see you. Uh, he says his name is Roy Orbison. He's with his wife. So he'd never met at the t- up till then, and he never certainly knew he was in England or at the show not at all. So something pretty crazy. So Robinson comes in and he says, hey guys, great show. I just watched it and enjoyed it. And the second thing he says is, do you have a song for me? Huh. And uh, Bono says, wow. Uh, and the guys are like, oh, you're joshing us. You knew all the time. And he says, I had no clue. Oh. But it turns out that Bono wrote the rest of Mystery Girl for Orbison, who loved it, and they recorded it on his last album, and Bono actually produced it. So that's crazy. a dream-inspired collaboration mm. from the other side, right? Absolutely. Well, absolutely. <laughs> I like that from the other side. That is amazing. Uh, you know, like I, I have a friend yeah. who... Um, um, who had his, this crazy dream. Well, it seemed crazy to her. And it's funny because you were saying how dreams inspire yeah. that can turn into real life. And it was about uh, a business that she wanted to start. And she dreamt about the business. And she dreamt about the name of the business, the logo of the business, all of that. Okay, great. And, you know, and, and so she's wondering, like, what is that? Like, what do you do with that information? Is it something that is it a positive thing? Is that something, is, it, is, is, your, is the universe telling you go and do it and I'm, I've laid it out for you? Or is it, is it just something that, you're, that your brain is working on uh, because, you know, you're involved in other businesses and therefore that's on your brain? You know, how does that, how do you make sense of stuff uh, like that? Well, yes, yes, and more. <laughs> I usually empower dreamers with their own truth because think of it, you know, what other source of, Let's say at this point information, but it could even be more than information. So let's just say information comes to us personally, at least until you get into inception and other dimensional Skype and those kind of things. It's coming just to us personally and it's coming in an empowered way that we can choose to speak it, act on it or anything, or just ignore it or not even remember it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's kind of the true source of empowerment. And in that way, I like to see people kind of come to their own experience of truth or clarity about what they'd like to do with it, if anything. And I usually suggest the first thing is to ask a, a larger question than many people often ask, if they remember those Not just, hey, what does it mean? Which is right. such a good question, but now it's about 100 years old. From right. the, the analyst, head-centered folks, uh, which uh, sort of look just for meaning, symbolism, right. and kind of intellectual. It's great. But to add to it and bring those dreams from the other level into the world, I usually encourage people to ask, Hey, what does the dream want? Ah. And, you know, that'll probably include what does it mean, but it, it sort of includes an action somewhere in mm-hmm. there to bring a gift to your life or somebody else's life. 
in this case, the artist who said, wow, this dream seems to want to come into the song, and maybe I'll write it. Right. Or, or some other variation. You know, some people actually had their lives saved when they acted on dreams, including uh, a radio host from Canada we can talk about in a second. But So uh-huh. if we ask the question, actually different thoughts and right. then maybe impulses to act come than if we just ask. So that's a good first framework. And then, you know, kind of think of it as a multi course meal that you could certainly have it because you were working on it before sleep but that's not mutually exclusive that the other level of our psyche maybe the vast inner net where we can tune into some pretty amazing levels of information not the internet that's a good outer version of what the internet is you know our dream channel and that if we get some amazing idea that really fires us up in the dream gives us like a feeling of joy or excitement or something then probably we should act towards that because the feeling is the link between the dream and the waking event if we choose to to go towards it. And I interpret it as sort of probabilities. It doesn't guarantee anything if we dream of it. It just points to a future potential reality that perhaps is more likely. But uh, it can call us forward like a calling, you know. Hey, if you choose to act and devote a bit of time and, you know, go deeper into this, it could bring a lot of joy to you and probably others. Or if it's a nightmare, kind of the opposite of, Unless you change a choice or a habit or something, you're going to come to this very unpleasant future, and we'd like to avoid this, but right, right. now it's the current most likely probable. Well, I was just going to say, what so does the dream... Like Sorry, I was going to say, what does the dream want when you're dreaming of dead people? You know, it's like, you know, or or what does the dream want when you have a nightmare? Uh, you were just answering, you know, yeah. what does it mean? What does a dream want then if you're dreaming of a deceased family member or colleagues or whatever it might be? Um uh, what what does the dream want from you then? Are you supposed to then take it a step further and go beyond the fact that these are dead people haunting you in your dream and figure and try to understand <laughs> what the, what their what their end game is? You know, what do what do they want? Yeah, sure. You tapped into zombie channel, right? Yeah. So it might be uh, more empowering to say each person can ask that for themselves. I'll give some general ideas and we can do some specifics. Okay. But really, it's important that each person asks and answers it, I think. And obviously, if somebody's traveled in a country and knows the language, it's silly not to take advantage of that. And in this case, it would be me after 30, 35 years of exploring. Uh, but I really encourage people to keep their power and ask the questions and get their own inner answer. And if they can get some coaching guidance, great. But ideally, they still answer themselves. So let's say one, one of your examples, deceased comes to visit is that, you know, we have to fit it into one of our models. And, and usually dreams expand their models quickly, quickly. But let's just say, is that just a zombie freak-out dream? Is it a horror movie mm-hmm. at night? Or is it actual visitation from, let's say, a deceased mom who's come to give me some important info? Okay. Uh, it could be just like big pizza at midnight, not the greatest thing to interpret, but still uh, a bit of a message. Don't have pizza at midnight. It's freaking <laughs> you out. Maybe some of your cells are dying, and that was the dream that showed that. Most likely, uh, if people are tuned in and that they're cleared the backlog of things they haven't listened to and not eating like a huge meal at midnight or taking medications, it could well be a visitation dream by, let's just say, the spirit or the other level of the person that we used to know as physical. Uh, and they don't have to be dead necessarily either. Example, this mm. morning I dreamt of a friend I haven't seen in five years and confirmed the exact thing she's going to do in the next few months. So no. it can be somebody live, but... Uh, inner Skype, you know, so the dead or alive. And I'll give you an example, just kind of show the principle. Uh, Stevie Wonder, mm. who actually wrote a lot of his songs with uh, his mother, not too many people know. And uh, so she unfortunately passed on, and he was like, wow, that's the most important person in my life. They were very close. And he told his business 
manager, I guess, his agent, and a few people. Look, I'm taking a year off the rare events only once, and really I need some grieving time. And they kind of said, okay, well, we understand, and we'll do our best. We'll cancel this and that. And then a few weeks later, uh, he said, hey, guys, I know I'm sorry, so sorry to change, but could you put back on all the appointments and the meetings, and also could we add a world tour next year, and I want to start two new albums. <laughs> wow. Now, and they were like, what? Yeah. What happened to the grieving? You just put your mom to rest like shortly before. And he said, yes, but she just came to me in the dream, and she was very loving. She said, Stevie, what are you? You're an artist. The exact time when you're really in your deepest universal emotions is when you should be out there sharing your gift of love and your message. So kindly kick in the butt, get out there and keep doing it, you know. And he said, you know, mom said. Oh and so he took a pretty practical waking action based on his visitation. Whether accurate or not, we don't know, we but don't it know. certainly served a lot of people positive. No kidding. Wow. So he always listened to his mom, even beyond the grave. <laughs> Hey, what a good son. You know what? Maybe it's clearer from the other side. <laughs> what a good son. Well, maybe she was also inspiring um, some of his new writings, do you think? Yeah, definitely. Talk about uh, ghostwriter. Right? Yeah, exactly. That's right. A whole new spin to the term ghostwriter. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, when when people dream and, and you're talking about lucid dreaming and you're talking about listening to the dream and what does the dream want, so we we all, we don't have a choice. We dream. We we just do, right? Like that's just something that the humans do. And then of course there's the REM sleep, sort the of. deeper sleep, sort of. You know, it's like emails. We don't have to open the emails. We don't have to turn on the computer. And it's a very good analogy. The internet has as its physical correlates here in the world the internet. So mm-hmm. the collective vast, let's say, personal subconscious, and then maybe collective unconscious is available, but a lot of people just ignore, turn it off, or mostly they just haven't seen any practical value. Right, no practical they don't value. devote time to. Right. But so. could really pay off big. So here we are more or less selling, hey, you know, if you get a high-speed internet connection, there's some pretty good payoffs. Well, you know, and having said that, you know, with when people, like you said, either they turn it off, they don't pay attention to it, they don't think there's value to it, or they it comes to them and then it, 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 it just dissolves instantly when they open their eyes, the dream is gone, they don't remember anything about it. Yeah. But somehow they they still remained inspired by it somehow. Like, wow, that was a good feeling, or that was a bad feeling. So um, right. I know that you also teach our show techniques for for retain, retaining the dream and that sort of thing. And and and, um, but are there supplements as well? Can people? I know that you know other artists they also take supplements, quote unquote, you know, to have that ex, that that really cool experience, so they could have some unique. Um, uh, input to their writing or whether whether it's music or whether it's literature or whatever it might be. Um, but are there actual yeah. herbs or nutraceuticals or something that people take can take in order to promote more of this type of dreaming that is um, useful? Yeah, well, usually I would say tune to it because it's usually like a radio station. It's always there, you know, people can tune to it. Uh, some will be affecting physiology, and you had a few questions. So I usually encourage people first, go for the very empowered approach that doesn't rely on external, you know, devices. Okay. For example, at the Stanford Research, I designed a sleep mask that helps you become lucid while you're asleep. You wear it at night, and it gives you cues to awaken within dreams. But it's still external helper, huh. and it's great as a tool, but it shouldn't replace our trust, empowerment, or, you know, maybe devotion or at least discipline to learn the skills inside that we don't need eventually an external. The same for supplements, but if they help you for a while, sure, use the tools. 
kind of watch that dependence on outer thing, person, device, whatever. So if that is in the mix, then uh, I could say something like the vitamin B6 and 12 can be really helpful. Uh, some people find things like mugwort help a bit with recall. You know, a pillow filled with this herb mugwort can be sort of the soft version and the tea version can be somewhat stronger, sometimes giving people a little bit of a weird experience. So I have to watch on the quantities. There's plenty of, you know, pharmaceutical variations out there for... I don't usually mention to people until I've seen that they have some kind of balance of what they're going to get empowered. But I usually give most of the empowering techniques, sort of mental slash emotional mm-hmm. techniques, that work extremely effectively for recall, incubating, or intending certain types of dream, lucid dreaming, creative dreaming. Well, why don't we why don't we talk on about the, that on the on the let's, let's talk about that. Let's take a step back from the supplements <laughs> and sure. let's uh, talk about what you just said about the mask and all the other um, ways that we can encourage the dream to and retention. So just uh, hold on. We're going up to a break. We'll be uh, right back with Craig Webb, the dream analyst, here on The Conspiracy Show. Corporations, governments, and sometimes entire civilizations. What goes up must come down. And it lands on The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Welcome back. We are speaking with Craig Webb. His new book, The Dreams Behind the Music. He is the executive director of the non-profit Dreams Foundation for 25 years is a McGill University graduate with pioneering dream and lucid dream research at Stanford University and Montreal's Sacré-Cœur Hospital. So, Craig, we were just about to jump into how you can encourage the dreams, um, create more of an environment where you can then retain the dream and then you can move forward and, and perhaps use it and to... Um, in, in your daily life. So you were talking about earlier, we, we, we jumped, we, I jumped ahead, I went into supplements, <laughs> I went straight, straight for everybody's question, how can we do, and whereas no you've, you've already, you've already said, well wait, like take a step back, you know, there is this other ways of, of encouraging the dream and, and promoting the dream and getting the dream to, to have more retention and more impact. So what were you saying earlier? You were mentioning something about this mask that you had, you had created. Well, I like it. Uh, I like that you mentioned it because it is a common thing. People say, "Hey, can I have the magic button?" <laughs> and uh, there's no judgment in that. But after over quite a while, because you know, I I definitely had that framework initially. Hey, where's the quick? Yeah. I want more. Yeah. I realized part of the joy, not just in dreams but in life, you know, is the journey and the slow self organic growth to some experience that's really, in this case, going to really change my identity. And if I get some of these things quick and fast with some kind of special high-speed car, you know, watch out for the accidents. So there's something to be said about appreciating the journey, getting organic, and staying empowered, and then not throwing out all the amazing tools that we've developed in our culture for, I guess, you know, different types of supplements or technologies or anything else. Uh, You know, some of the Eastern traditions have very strong mind, mental, uh, maybe emotional techniques, so we borrow there, too. And then each person will get their own inner guidance. 
uh, sort of, hey, this is working, or adjust this, or you have to heal this nightmare. That's kind of the stopper for all the other creative dreams. You're waiting to, you know, kind of clean up the backlog. So there'll be some personal variation. That's why I lead teleclasses, because everybody's journey is a bit different, even though it's universal. So I kind of moved mm-hmm. more towards the empowerment as I realized that the tools are great, but we want the person to really trust and love themselves and really know how to do this without any extras. And then it's something they can give away easily, and they, they're giving away empowerment and kind of making friends instead of just dependencies and things. So, to a few actual ones. Yes. Uh, certainly, there's some great recall tips uh, at dreamsbehindthemusic.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the book site, and uh, I believe there's also some a nightmare article there. It might be linked at the bottom. I'm not sure where the link is. But it talks about the value and then what to do with some of the common nightmares, like the chase dream. You ever had the chase dream after that? Sure. <laughs> We've all been chased in our dreams, that's for sure. Well, well 81.5% of people have, yeah, <laughs> in one study of about 2,000. So let's say four out of five people remember having the chase dream, and then there's other worldwide themes across cultures, and then there's other more local or smaller amount themes, like about a third of people have had naked in public or scantily dressed, yeah. which is an interesting one. And so we can give... Quote-unquote, a little bit Betty Crocker responses, okay, here's a recurring dream worldwide or at least culture-wise. Here's a life lesson that it corresponds with. So, yes, you can stop the recurring nightmares of the chase. I can give an example. But more interestingly, you can solve the related and connected waking life scenario where you're probably having recurring daymares, but you haven't realized it yet, like a broken relationship or maybe a health problem or a lost job. And here's why your dreams are trying to help called a nightmare, but it's like the warning light on your car. Oops, engine out of whack, need an oil change, which is a lot less expensive than an engine meltdown or an accident 100 miles later, right? So if we catch the early warning, it's really good, and the nightmares usually come as a big gift like that, but we don't always honor how they and why they come. It's not obvious. Somebody needs to tell us this, and I sort of learned it a bit the hard way, but I'm telling people, you know, listen, listen in. Wow. So the the listening in, the tuning in, that's the part I think that that is the trickiest for all of us, right? Like you said, I like when you said the Betty Crocker version, you know, like yeah, your, you know, your uh-huh. um, <laughs> your 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 teeth are falling out. That's a that's a typical dream yeah. that people have, and I know that's uh, the, that's a pretty that's a very common one. Yeah, I know that's the dream that Callum in in Denver is having. His teeth were falling out. So I said I I can answer that, right? Yeah, I can answer that. But I I'm not going to answer it because I have you. So because um, I'm going to give the Betty Crocker <laughs> answer, right? That's what I'm going to do. <laughs> well, so, so people what, enjoy sort of interpreting others' dreams. I think that's fair. We like to sort of guess and it's a game, and we connect with them more. And so nothing wrong with that. I have the history of seeing many thousands of dreamers, so that's a little bit more helpful because I can see the trends. But I don't have that right answer ever. You know, I'm always a student, I like to think. Uh, let's start with a little recall to get the doorway open, and then maybe we can go to specific dreams. Okay. At the end, let's check with Bob Dylan connections uh, so that we, we answer your personal question there. But uh, let's get the door open. In other words, the Internet or inner dream connection is uh, if we kind of, as we wake up, keep all the other physical senses or keep all the physical senses lower. That means if we opened our eyes, just close our eyes, or ideally don't even open them at all. So keep the, the sight and the visual down. That really throws off sort of the dream, delicate dream frequencies in our brain. Uh, so ideally uh, we wake up to a very gentle kind of light and no alarm. Try to keep the audio down also. If we actually have to have an alarm to get to work on time or what have you, then just set an intention, like kind of like a body clock, I call it. 
you wake up 10 minutes before the alarm, the alarm and then just remember dreams or wake up peacefully or whatever you like. And it works like a charm. Anybody tried it, they go, wow, I can wake up to the minute. And people are surprised. But yeah, the body has its own timing and it accepts suggestions. And so keeping the ears kind of, or the hearing low and keeping mm-hmm. the physical, and then probably the biggest is don't move. Or if you moved, actually roll back to the same exact position. Perfect. And Hold it right there. Don't the move, Craig, because we're going to a break. Okay. <laughs> Hold on. We'll be right back with Craig Webb, our dream analyst, and his new book, Dreams Behind the Music, and we'll continue right after this break. This is no place for the naive or the faint-hearted. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Yes, it is. It is The Conspiracy Show. But it's not with Richard Serrett. It's with the mighty Aphrodite. He's left me alone here with the keys to the store. And But I do have willpower, which I always wish I really did have willpower. And I have Albert. And it's nice and cozy. And the lights are back on and nothing's flickering and being weird in here, except maybe me. <laughs> I'm being a little strange this evening. But I do have comfort in the fact that I have Craig on the other line, and he's walking us through our dream recall tips at this point in the show. And if you'd like to call, please do. Um, he's going to take, if we can, take a few calls before we um, wrap it up for the evening. I know Richard's uh, on his way home from the Zombies concert, uh, and he's um, enjoying himself with the boys' night out. Now, Greg, I know that we were at the dream call tips. I think we're at number three, and you were saying, don't move, stay still. Uh, yeah. Okay. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. Also, while you're <laughs> while you're in the bed, stay tuned to Dream Channel. Also. So yes, that helps a lot. And if you did roll over, just move back to that same position. And then, and then there's more tips. Reel it in like a fish, and ideally record it. Uh, if you have some kind of writing implement, great. They actually sell so the journaling the foundation that light up. Mm-hmm. They don't have to turn on the room light. Mm-hmm. But uh, a voice recorder can work as long as you copy it later. So like most cell phones have a voice recorder function. But somehow make a thing because if you tell yourself, oh, I'll remember, unfortunately you might lose some real gems. So you got to watch out for that little inner demon who wants to like throw away all your wings, all your gains. Yeah, that, I totally. Uh, and then once that it's uh, logged, you can you can make it uh, you can make your choices later about what it wants. But try to log it first. You know what I find too. Like I mean, those are all true. My goodness, you're you you said it perfectly. Of all the experiences, like the moment you move or the moment you turn the light on or the moment you flinch, it just can it just just poof, it just goes away. I just you know, you can see it getting further and further and further away. And you're like, no, come back. I, I wanted to explore that a little bit more, but it's it's gone. And I've 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 had that sensation too. And when you then you try to recall bits of it, and you try to tell a friend or whomever. Then you can say, well, I know how I felt in it. I know that I was okay. I know that I was safe, but it was, but it was still kind of scary because I was being chased. But I didn't feel. So you kind of lose all those, all the details, but you, you're left behind with your the sensation that you get. That's how I, I never get to recall in full. Well, you'd be pretty surprised. People have very different styles of dreaming, styles like I guess in life of learning too, like kinesthetic, visual, auditory, etc. So the same for their whole dreaming and their recall, and there's so many variations. For you, it's more feeling, and that's good because that's usually the important part. Some people really remember, like, smell, which is a bit rare, mm. or they just have the song playing when they wake up. That's me. I often have that. I get music a few times a week, so I better get on the writing, the creative writing here. Uh, but uh, it's different for, for each person. But we will say that it's a little more delicate than waking memories most of the time. So just kind of gently invite them and think of it as, 
kind of like a mental muscle. If you work it out a little bit and you really try to record and tell and act on dreams, maybe paint them or turn them into some creation or turn them into an invention or a business choice, then uh, they'll come more and they'll come stronger. No kidding. Well, I know you also speak about premonitions, dreams, uh, those type of dreams. Um, And I know that in in your book you mention it a lot too. Uh, So can you offer um, some really cool stories you have of the famous artists who experienced those, and then then we can explore them on our own, like personally, after? (laughs) All right. Well, uh, there's there's a lot of premonitions mentioned in there. Yeah. Uh, That's a whole chapter of who dreamt ahead. Um, what to pick? Well, I'll pick one that might not obviously seem like a premonition, but I sort of believe that it is in an invisible way. Like uh, Bono, who dreamt of our, our friend here, uh, mm-hmm. Mr. Orbison, and recorded the song with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably that was a premonition of a beautiful future of him working with a colleague that he always admired but had never met. And it came true, and it helped that it was kind of, a, in a way, a premonition of a bright future that synchronicity or maybe grace helped with. But he also dreamt of a song that rescue me, or love rescue me. Woke up in the early morning in Malibu on the Joshua Tree tour mm-hmm. quite a while ago, and he goes, "Wow, that's new lyrics. Sounds very like Bob Dylan." Jotted oh. down the words, went back to sleep, and when he got up, he goes, "Wow, I, I should call him up." So he didn't have his number, never met him, but he called him up and he went over to his house uh, that afternoon in Malibu and helped him. Uh, they put together a song that. Both of them now play in concert, but at the time, uh, Dylan, uh, although he recorded a lead vocal, he said, I better not use it because I'm with the Traveling Mulberries and have legal stuff. And, but they started a collaboration that's now like a still ongoing friendship. So a premonition of a bright future as an artist, and for other people, they probably have interesting premonitions. Maybe not as serious as John Lennon about his murder, but there's been life and death premonitions, quite a number. If you want, we can give one uh, before we go, but maybe take a call or two. We could. Um, I, I totally invite everyone who's listening Enjoy. to call in, please. I, what I would like to do first, actually, is answer the one from Callum about his teeth falling out. Could you oh, yeah, right. give him something like that? Can you give him a little... Okay, well, teeth falling out is actually one of the most... Uh, I don't know what the exact word is, but multi-level, maybe multi-dimensional. Uh, that's a pretty universal theme. Not everybody has it. There's a lot of variations, and the variations seem to be fairly important for what it corresponds with and what the gift and lesson is, in other words, what it wants. <laughs> so variations are crumbling glass in my mouth, and uh, or there's blood along with teeth falling out. Mm-hmm. Sometimes uh, I have no teeth, or there's a slight variation, can't speak, no sound coming out, which may or may not be the same dream, but sometimes they sort of bridge. Or there's like teeth flying out, but no blood, and so some of these are important. Uh, I'll just say worldwide in many traditions, because I've had the good fortune to travel and speak in many countries, uh, it is kind of uh, not an old wives' tale, but you know, a spiritual tradition, I guess, from the elders or maybe the early tribes and shamans, that a dream of teeth falling out often corresponds with someone to leave the earth soon, someone close, usually a loved one. And I've actually seen quite a few, you know, not statistical maybe, but over time, a lot of anecdotal cases where that is indeed true. So, Maybe the the big lesson seems to be letting go mm. of, in this case, I guess, the physical form of somebody as their teeth fall out of their body and they pass on. But usually the more personal form is letting go emotionally because even in our life we let go of our teeth as we move from a child into adulthood, right? Change sure. our, I guess, grown up and wisdom teeth. And then sometimes it's like holding on, like a dog holding on to thing. We just need to kind of grieve or let go of something and uh, that can be helpful 
people, there's a physical level to that one sometimes find that they're actually grinding their teeth at mm-hmm. night and it's really just letting go of worries and concerns. In other words, it's a stress dream, but it's manifesting as grinding teeth. So they're not necessarily different, but they look a little different. Like, you know, all colors are light, but each color looks different, right? Yeah, right. I mean, I, my, when I, I know Richard actually dreamt about his teeth falling out. Many times. Hey, guys, has he ever told you that one about his teeth falling out? Well, and what we understand is that it was because um, it's something that you're not saying. Like you're not, you're holding something back that you need to speak your mind. You need to, that's how I was, oh, have always interpreted the teeth falling out. But in this case. Yeah, and usually the day before the dream, there's going to be an emotional thing that we didn't process that gives a pretty strong hint. So the, the day before. I've seen that more correspond with teeth flying out. In other words, they didn't quite say what wants to be said, and that's slightly different than crumbling glass inside mouth. You know. But mm. it could tie into can't speak, can't get my truth out, and as a radio announcer, that seems like a natural fit. I've often seen that, you know, sort of dead air, can't find the words. Find the <laughs> that's right, line. the worst possible sort situation, right? Your manifest when you can't like say what we want to say. <laughs> So not a big surprise for dear Richard, who I remember and having some terrific shows with him about nine years ago. So please say a warm hello. I will. I know he'll be delighted to speak with you again. I'm sure, and uh, as I am having this great time talking with you as well. Um, I I often have dreams of dead people. I know it sounds like a line out of a movie, but I tell okay. you it's the truth. And my dad has passed now. I it'll be seven years. And when he was when he first passed away, it was nothing. And then it was a year later that I started having these wild dreams of my dad. And, and I mean, in every, I mean, wild, I mean, like he was going to come out and kill me. And there was like, he was hunting me and he was like coming after me. And I'm like, you know, you wake up and you're like terrified. Um, and then, uh, my mother's like, Oh my God, we have to light a candle for your father. You know, go light a candle for your dad and make him cause he's, he's, you know, he's active. So, and I don't, you know, I don't know if I believe that. I don't know what that is. Um, what does the dream, what is the dream asking of me? Like, I'm not that I have that question, you've put it in my head, and now I'm thinking, what is the dream asking of me? Is it, is it something that I need to, is it like a father-daughter relationship situation or something? I don't know what it is, but it was constant. Like, it was, it wasn't the same dream repeating, Craig, it was just him. He was the, he was the common denominator. Same repeating theme. Okay. Which is pretty important, right? Okay. At least a similar scenario that wasn't super peaceful, loving, like, hey, I'm back, you know, and looking young and giving you advice, right? Right. It wasn't that. So, it wasn't a repeating that. repeating theme of kind of sort of zombie, which is interesting considering where your husband just went to the concert tonight, but he won't go there. <laughs> I know. He's kind of awakening you <laughs> to see the zombies. Uh, let's just say that there's some stats on these things. So there is a time window of about somewhere around 9 to 12 months. This is like researched over many people where the deceased don't, aren't easily, can't easily contact the living after they graduate. I think of it as they're sort of moving to the next level. Let them get established before they can come back and visit them. And so that, and then the first, or the dreams during that time, or some of the first dreams might still be dismembered body parts. It depends. It might be reflecting to us, what do we actually believe about what happens after we die? Because our beliefs start to play pretty serious stuff in the subjective realm. Like, have you seen that movie, What Dreams May Come, with Robin Williams? Mm, that no. gives uh, some good examples. No, I never okay, did see so that That's one. your home, I call it home play instead of homework. you got to watch that movie. <laughs> okay. And it'll kind of show some of the beliefs and how they affect the story, because he's in a really positive, and he has blinds and colors, and, and the, his wife is very dark and negative, and she gets stuck in hell, and he has to go save her and so, our subject ideas about it can really affect uh, the visits and sometimes even just longing and a strong love, wishing to reconnect and sort of block 
just a natural, peaceful invitation. Hey, yeah, come visit. So there's some subtle principles there. But I would say at around 12 months, it's starting to open the channel for reconnecting if you wanted. So my mother's right. If you have a peacefulness, and does it freak you out if your dad would come in a dream? Like, is that something you'd love, or how do you think about that? I, well, the experiences that I had with him in my dream were not, to me, positive. They were they were terrifying. I thought he was going to hurt me mm. in them, and you know, my father never hurt me. So I, they were they were so opposite of what I would expect a connection with him to be, you know. And I think that that just right. really confused me. And I'm grateful that they don't come back. But I guess my mom was right. She was like, "Well, he's because like you just said, it, right? it was about a year later that he started appearing uh, to me." So yeah. or I, that you can kind of tune to the beliefs, like it gets pretty personal pretty fast, but. Perhaps some of the ways of what you think happens after that limit a little bit what he can say or how he can come until we face fears of, you know, conspiracy, ghosts, hunters, and all the things we talk about. Actually, it's just like, you know, another level of Skype when they come to visit. I love that. I love that. And they're a little more open. Craig, I'm going to quote you on that. That's a brilliant way. I love that when you say that. Skype. You're very welcome. Yep, your inner Skype. I hope so, too. Okay, so where can listeners find your book? Uh, dreamsbehindthemusic.com uh, for the book, lots of great tips, and in the book, Lucid Dreaming, Nightmares, and Teleclasses are linked on there, so if people want to go deeper, please please contact us. Right, and that's a way that they can uh, better learn to cultivate and understand and harvest, as you say, their own dreams. I'm quoting you now. <laughs> so reach out to yeah, Craig like a team Webb. journey, so it's kind of a fun group. Everybody learns together lots of psychic dreams, but it really helps when we have a team. Wonderful. Wonderful to hear from you. Um, thank you for all your work. I mean, this is incredible, the, all these hours and hours that you poured, you dedicated your life to. We appreciate it. Um, uh, I appreciate you being here with me tonight and keeping me company and keeping company all the people that are listening tonight. Absolutely. It's wonderful to hear from you. Uh, this is The Conspiracy Show. It's time to say goodnight. I know Richard at this point says something very, you know, mystical and magical and something really cool. I'll just say thank you. And I don't know why he uh, he says thank you for your ears. I mean, I get it, but wait, I'm going to pick another body part. I'm going to say, you know, thank you for your brain. Thank you for your heart. Thank you for letting me into your room, your bedroom, your kitchen, your basement, wherever you're listening from right now. So thank you very much for letting me in and letting Albert and, and Will and I participate in your evening. And, um, well, move over, Richard Serrett, because I'm coming home. Thank you so much. Good night. You're listening.